Hello, welcome to the Servative Hour, an hour of anti-conservative movement call-in talk radio. I'm Brian Mary, and the phone number is 402-474-5086. And please call in to state your point of view. The topic for this June 21st, 2022, is the Special Election Tuesday, June 28th Voter's Guide, Flood versus Panzing Brooks for Nebraska's 1st Congressional District. Yes, there's a special election next Tuesday. And next Tuesday should have the results of that special election to announce on this show. Early voting has begun. Evnen spotlights June 28th special congressional election. That's the headline from journalstar.com from June 9th, 2022. Article by Don Walton. It's June and we are approaching election day. Huh? That doesn't sound right, but it's true this year in eastern Nebraska's 1st Congressional District, and Secretary of State Bob Emden wants voters to be alert to their civic opportunity on June 28th. Quote, It's going to be so easy to let it slip by because it's so unusual, he said Tuesday. It's important to get out the word. Put a reminder on your smartphone. Early voting already has begun. <clears throat> End quote. So far, 37,000 early ballots have been sent to voters who requested them, he said. The special election in 10 counties, including Lancaster, along with precincts in two additional counties, will pit Republican nominee Mike Flood of Norfolk against Democratic nominee Patty Pansing Brooks of Lincoln in a contest to determine who will serve the remaining six months of former Republican Representative Jeff Fortenberry's ninth term as a member of the U.S. House of Representatives. The two candidates in the special election were chosen by party leaders in the wake of Fortenberry's resignation following his conviction in March on charges that he had lied to federal officials about an illegal foreign contribution to his 2016 re-election campaign. In this odd election year, Pansing Brooks and Flood will be matched against one another again in the November 8th general election after winning their party nominations in the May 10th primary election for a two-year term beginning next January. And uh, Fortenberry is scheduled to be sentenced on June 28th. And whoever wins this special election will be well set up to win the general election in November. And then serve for the longer term. Speaking of Fortenberry, <clears throat> from Thursday, June 16th, 2022, Lincoln Journal Star, Fortenberry asks for leniency. Front page headline news. Former, uh, convicted former congressman is seeking probation. It's by Todd Cooper, Omaha World Herald. I'll just read a few paragraphs from this, from the few paragraphs into the article. It's not clear what his daughter's medical marital conditions have to do with the fact that a jury found that Fortenberry lied to the FBI and attempted to conceal that his campaign had received $30,000 in dirty campaign donations. 
This is after he makes, uh, starts with the case that he's making for leniency. And in it uh, mentions his daughter's uh, medical slash marital conditions. And it says, uh, <clears throat> does that have to do with the fact that a jury found that Fortenberry lied to the FBI and attempted to conceal that his campaign had received $30,000 in dirty campaign donations? But Fortenberry's defense team pulled out all the stops as their client prepares to find out his fate from U.S. District Judge Stanley Blumenfeld, Jr., in a Los Angeles courtroom, June 28th. In March, a jury convicted Fortenberry, a nine-term Republican congressman representing Nebraska's 1st District, of two counts of lying to federal agents and one count of trying to conceal the source of the $30,000 in foreign money to his campaign. It is illegal for U.S. politicians to accept money from foreigners. Not foreigners, foreigners. Then, uh, near the end of the article, it says, uh, Celeste Fortenberry said her husband has, quote, suffered public slander about his character extending far beyond the counts of his conviction, end quote. At one point, his attorneys argued that serving in Congress, quote, exposed Mr. Fortenberry and his family to threats and vandalism, unquote. The memo didn't detail threats or vandalism, though Fortenberry once demanded prosecution for whomever put googly eyes on a campaign sign and changed his name to... Fartenberry. Then a little further near the end of the article, prosecutors argued that uh, Fortenberry could have avoided his resignation from Congress if he had simply not lied. Quote, After being provided numerous opportunities to come clean, defendant, defendant unapologetically chose to do the opposite, prosecutors wrote. For his pattern of cho choosing hubris, over honesty and for the trampled public trust that defendant leaves in his wake, a meaningful term of imprisonment is appropriate and necessary. End quote. Oh. Lots of sound of crank crackling of newspapers. Yes, I went to the recycling box today, dropped off some, picked up a little, uh, a few newspapers from last week. So, yay, have some newspapers to crackle. All right, uh, meet the candidates facing off in special election for Nebraska's first congressional district. This is uh, June 20th, 2022, from KETV. Dot com. And <clears throat> I'm going to get to some uh, statements from the candidate, their answers to surveys, statements on their websites, a couple more articles, compare the candidates, um, and also encourage you to call in if you have any opinions of your own on the candidates. Uh, do you intend to vote next Tuesday? Who for? And uh, why, if you'd like to say so. Phone number 402-474-5086. Also, I see uh, you can tune into KZUM on Tuesdays at uh, 7 p.m. for a live broadcast of Jazz in June. That is if it's, uh, it's not raining or a tornado going on or something like that. And every Thursday, join us at Stransky Park uh, at 18th and Harrison for live and local music starting at 7 p.m. And uh, <clears throat> thank you to Shirts 101 and Boutheris, Mazer, and Love Funeral Home for being sponsors of that, I suppose. And I know that the... Uh, Jerry Pranksters uh, will be playing this Thursday. 
wish I could go, but I have to work. Yes, I work evenings, weekends, have for years. Miss out on all social activities. Hmm. Oh, well. Anyway, from KETV.com. Democratic, Democrat Patty Pansing Brooks and Republican Mike Flood are competing in the historic special election race for Nebraska's first congressional district. The special election, which will be held on June 28th, is necessary after the resignation of Republican Congressman Jeff Fortenberry. He was convicted in March of concealing information and making false statements to the FBI about illegal campaign contributions. Both Flood, a state senator from Norfolk, and Penzing Brooks, a state senator from Lincoln, also won their party's nominations in the May 10th Nebraska primary, meaning the two will compete for the first congressional district seat in both the June special election and the November general election. The concerns Pansing Brooks wants to tackle for residents in the first congressional district are inflation, unemployment, and filling jobs and lower drug prices. Quote, We need to lower prescription drug prices, and we need to lower the premiums on the Affordable Care Act. We have to do better at protecting our people. And the number one issue for the state chamber in Nebraska is workforce development and getting workers to fill our jobs, Pansing Brooks said. She wants voters to look to her experience in the state legislature for two terms and the work she did to create Lincoln's first urban park for $6 million, and the nearly $10 million Centennial Mall renovation. Quote, I feel like our state and our district are ready for a change. That's a quote from Pansing Brooks. Now, the first issue listed on Flood's website, quote, Fighting Biden's Socialist Agenda. Quote, at its core, I believe in states' rights and a limited role for the federal government, Flood said. I think it's important that voters know that I feel very strongly about that, and that's why I included it on my website. End quote. Flood also feels strongly about securing the border and opposing abortion. Fighting Biden's Socialist Agenda. Well, I suppose I've been over this before. What do we want? Well, I know what I want. That would be a a reasonably good level of public services, protections, and benefits paid for through a system of taxation where those who are richer pay at a higher rate than those who are poorer. That's right. Socialism. Not really. Capitalism is what I'd call it. At least that's what uh, the father of capitalism uh, called it. Uh, Adam Smith, in his On the Wealth of Nations, saying that it was not unreasonable that the uh, richer folk should pay at a higher rate than the poorer folk for the public expense. Not an exact quote, but I've quoted it before. It's very similar to that. So, we've had the rise of modern civilization and society and the widest, greatest prosperity ever known. Highest standard of living, greatest uh, wealth enjoyed by the most people by having a reasonably good level of public services, protections, and benefits paid for through uh, taxing the richer folk at a higher rate than the poorer folk, because after all, the poorer folk, whatever money they get, they will spend to stimulate the economy and create jobs uh, to fill those needs. Whereas the richer folk, they tend to use the excess money to buy out the competition, merge production facilities, lay off workers, and call it increasing efficiency. Stock goes up as a result. Yay. So, yeah, 
fighting Biden's socialist agenda. By that, I assume he means uh, shifting the tax burden off of those who are richer onto those who are poorer, rather than having something like an income tax, having a sales tax or a flat tax, like they have in Russia, you know, a flat tax where the poorest person pays taxes at the same rate as the richest person. Of course, the richest people in Russia probably don't pay taxes at all because it's wealth and power and brute force that rules, not consent of the governed or following any rules, so definitely not. Show, yeah, a flood promises austerity economics. Yay. And calls that fighting Biden's socialist agenda. Let's see, also, states' rights, limited role for the federal government. Well, that would be part of getting rid of or, well, I don't know, you call it destroying the government of the United States or, or maybe shrinking the government of the United States. All its agencies, its institutions, all those regulations. Yeah, he mentions uh, you know, getting rid of uh, or limiting those too. Show um, kind of be at the mercy of any of those who have uh, the uh, wealth and power and brute force to have their way without any federal government to say, oh, that violates uh, environmental regulations or worker health and safety and say, ha, we believe in states' rights. We can race to the bottom with our state as well as any of the deep south states to have it as miserable as possible for the people that live here and, and call that uh, an excellent business climate. However, if you look at uh, you know, the countries that do things that way, look at a chart of taxation around the world, the different ways that countries tax their people, you find that the ones that depend on a flat tax or sales tax, they don't have very good economies. In fact, they're uh, kind of at the bottom. So, that's what he promises. It's now 11.22. 11.23 p.m. Central Daylight Time. And happy summer solstice. To you all. This is the Servative Hour on uh, KZUM, KZUM Lincoln, and KZUM HD. 89.3 FM, kzum.org online. Special Election Voter gu Voter's Guide, Flood versus Pansing Brooks for Nebraska's 1st Congressional District. Lincoln, Nebraska. This is off of uh, 1011now.com. Channel uh, 1011, K-O-L-N. Lincoln, Nebraska, K-O-L-N. Two Nebraska state senators are vying for the nod to serve out the remainder of former Congressman Jeff Fortenberry's term in the U.S. House of Representatives. State Senator Mike Flood, Norfolk, captured the support of Republicans in the 1st District and will represent his party in the special election scheduled for Tuesday, June 28th. For Democrats, State Senator Patty Panzing-Brooks, who will wrap up her second term representing a portion of Lincoln, will also appear on the ballot. The two candidates were selected by their political parties rather than through a primary. No other candidates will appear on the ballot. The winner of the special election will serve until January 3, 2023. Flood and Panzing-Brooks will appear in a rematch in November after both won their respective primaries to seek a full term to represent the first congressional district during the general election. Fortenberry resigned days after his March conviction on three felony charges for lying to the FBI about illegal campaign donations. He had held the seat since 2005. 
And it says, we sent questionnaires to the candidates prior to the primary election. Responses from candidates are posted verbatim and not edited for spelling, grammar, or content. And then I will be reading from those uh, answers to those questionnaires in a moment. Panzing Brooks answers to questionnaire. Tell us about yourself. She does say, I am a state senator, attorney, small business owner, and lifelong community organizer. I was born and raised in Lincoln, Nebraska, where my family has lived for five generations. I graduated from Southeast High School, then received a BA in political science from Colorado College. I received my law degree at the University of Nebraska College of Law. I live with my husband, Lowell, in Lincoln, where we work together as law partners. We are longtime members of First Plymouth Congressional Church, where we were married, as were my parents, Lou and Tom. We have three children, Taylor, Graham, and Avery, who have grown into bright, kind, and civic-minded young adults who fill our hearts with blessings and joy every day. Okay, and go over to Mike Flood, what he has to say. Tell us about yourself. I am a lifelong Nebraskan and a conservative Republican from Norfolk, Nebraska. I am a husband, father, broadcaster, business owner, lawyer, and Nebraska State Senator representing District 19. When I was 24 years old, I started my first business, a rural radio station in my hometown of Norfolk. I've made a payroll every two weeks since then and know the challenges and joys that come with running a business. I have always felt the call to public service, and in 2005, I entered the Nebraska legislature. Two years later, my colleagues voted for me to become the youngest and longest-serving speaker in Nebraska history. During my time in the unicameral, I championed a 20-week ban on abortion, the first of its kind in the nation. I led the effort to preserve the death penalty, codified concealed carry into our state law, and paved the way for state approval of the Keystone XL pipeline. After serving in the legislature, I briefly announced a run for governor, but withdrew from the race after my wife, Mandy, was diagnosed with breast cancer. I'm glad to say that Mandy is now cancer-free. I'm blessed that both her and our two boys are healthy, still calling Norfolk home. After completing my term as speaker, I went back home to invest in my broadcasting business, which has grown into 15 radio stations and seven TV stations across rural Nebraska. Today, I'm proud to be back in the legislature, continuing my public service representing Northeast Nebraska and look forward to representing the first district in Congress. Okay, well, he says several things there which would cause me to not want to vote for him. Says, during my time in the unicameral, I championed a 20-week ban on abortion. That means no abortion after the 20th week of pregnancy. And, yeah, I would uh, not champion that myself. Says it's the first of its kind in the nation, or was the first of its kind in the nation at the time. Of course, I'm sure that uh, push for more uh, regression has gone further than that since then in other states with other legislators. And let's see, I led the effort to preserve the death penalty... Okay. Now, I don't know if you're for the death penalty, against the death penalty, but I would be against the death penalty. 
So, yeah, that would be another reason I wouldn't want to vote for him. Uh, led the effort to preserve the death penalty. Uh, codified concealed carry into our state law. Eh, I'm kind of indifferent on the whole firearms thing. Mainly, I hate the dishonesty of the uh, firearms sellers with the whole... Uh, you know, there's a commercial on a local station that comes on the weekend, some gun show with the gun guy uh, selling guns, talking guns for a couple hours, whatever it is. And they have a commercial where they say, crime is down, but guns are up. What's with that? Because, of course, they're pushing the lie that more guns means less crime by that big liar, uh, John Lott. Look up John, you can look up John Lott. L-O-T-T, lot of lies. And that's why they use him, because, well, if you can get one person to give you bogus uh, data and uh, results for your uh, sales pitch, well, then what more do you need other than that one guy to run around everywhere and do that? So when that commercial comes on... Uh, and I'll have to ask one of the local hosts, is that true? Is crime actually down because guns are up? I'm pretty sure that guns are up. And crime seems to be up. What's up with that? Yeah. Anyway, so as I've said before, what I'd do would have it be as a public uh, service announcements. Sort of the thing that was done with tobacco and cigarettes to show that... Uh, not all sunshine and roses with the firearms uh, possession, ownership, and having them around you does not always make all things better all the time so yeah, I'll, I'll let people know that um, you're more likely to shoot yourself or someone you care about than someone else who's uh, coming after you to attack you and that uh greater the flood of firearms in society, the uh, greater the danger. And, uh, no, and more guns does mean more crime. But if that's what you enjoy, uh, anyway, like I said, it's not a huge thing for me, but, uh, yeah, he wants to make sure that, uh, have more firearms being carried around everywhere, so, uh, I think that would yeah, make things a little more risky. And pave the way for state approval of the Keystone XL pipeline. Oh, the Keystone XL pipeline, how they drag that out. Hey, I see it's past the bottom of the hour. We'll get to that in a moment. This is KZUM Lincoln and KZUM HD, 89.3 FM, KZUM.org online. So, the Keystone Pipeline. Let's see, from Reuters, U.S. report finds multiple problems with Keystone Pipeline. This is from August 23rd, 2021. <laughs> Yes, U.S. report finds multiple problems with Keystone Pipeline. Now, just off the top of my head, I'll say a couple things. They uh, continually say, if only we'd open up that Keystone Pipeline, we'd have lots of gas. Well, tar sands crude uh, is not used for making gasoline. It's used for making asphalt. So, uh, yeah, there's no asphalt shortage right now that I'm aware of. Also, there's already a Keystone XL pipeline. Uh, this would just be uh, an extension of it to kind of cut uh, corners on one place where it kind of goes off to the side to uh, make it a little straighter. So, uh, yeah, the tar sands crude is already flowing through the pipeline. And there's things about uh, tar sands crude. It's high in sulfur, so, uh, yeah, it tends to form sulfuric acid in the pipe which kind of eats away at the pipe, makes it more likely to leak. Um, anyway, I'll just get on with the article. U.S. report finds multiple problems with Keystone Pipeline. Washington, 
August 23rd, Reuters, a U.S. government watchdog, found multiple problems with the construction, manufacture, and design of the Keystone Pipeline, validating, validating President Joe Biden's decision to revoke the permit for a Keystone XL extension, leaders of several House Democratic committees said on Monday. The lawmakers requested the government accountability office. Oh, here we got a phone call. KZUM, you're on the air. Oops. KZUM, you're on the air. Hello? Keep calling in. I messed it up. Which button I punched? Are you there? Hello? Nope. Not there. If you'd like to make a call, please hang up and try. All right. We'll go ahead and call in again if you can. And, uh, hello? Hello, KZUM here. You're hey, on Brian. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, um, just to let you know, yeah, I already voted, voted early, and uh, voted for Patty. Um, really didn't really have any other choice there, really. I mean, you know, between the two, it's not really a, a debate, really. Um, yeah, I just, I was, I was calling, you know, the gun thing really stuck out, you know, like, uh, you're talking about that there. It's like they got a lot, you know, constantly lying, more guns, less crime. Um, you know, they can, they can say that, you know, they can, they can push that all they want, but really, I mean, it's, it's just not the case, you know, and I, I you know, one thing that bugs me is they, they like to, they like to push this, uh, you know, this idea that, oh, Democrat run cities have more crime. Democrat states have more crime. I mean, you look at the cities, I mean, larger cities are going to have more crime. And, you know, larger cities are more or less, you know, run by Democrats. You know, we got a Democratic mayor. Um, I just think that, you know, larger populated areas, you know, are obviously going to have more crimes. You can't really put that on, you know, one party or the other. Do, but, you, do, uh, you, know, do you know what city has the highest crime rate per capita in Nebraska? Oh, in Nebraska? Yeah. Can you just have uh, a guess at that? I... I I have no idea. I, uh, I don't know. I'll let you know there are four cities that have higher crime rates than Lincoln, Nebraska. One of them is Omaha, but Omaha is not number one. Okay, I don't know. Uh, Grand Island, North Platte? I uh, uh, got it right on the second guess. Yes, North Platte has the highest crime rate of any city in Nebraska, and that's uh, followed by Elkhorn, <clears throat> and uh, then you have uh, Omaha, I believe. I wish I had it in front of me. I'd done the research on it earlier. Um, and then uh, Scott's Bluff, and then then Lincoln. So you have uh, Omaha, Scott's Bluff, Omaha, Elkhorn, and North Platte have higher crime rates than Lincoln. And I know that Omaha has a Republican mayor, and that they dealt uh, kind of more harshly with their protests. And when they uh, trapped people on the Farnham Street Bridge... That was later overturned by a judge and decided they had uh, no right to arrest and detain people. And also they had a, a protester killed and then the person that did the killing killed themselves. And uh, the smaller cities, uh, Scotts Bluff, North Platte, Elkhorn, I haven't checked, but I believe probably the mayors are whoever won the last Republican primary. Show the whole idea of relating the... Uh, crime rate to whether there are Democrats in office. One reason why you have Democrats in office in urban areas, it's just always been the case that the more urban you have, the more uh, liberal and democratic you have. I mean, even the tiny towns, they're more liberal than the empty spaces in between them. However, when it comes to where crime is highest in the U.S., 
of course, <clears throat> St. Louis comes in at number one, a nice Midwestern city. Uh, then you have New Orleans, a nice southern city in a red state. Uh, you have, <clears throat> let's see, what are some of the other ones? Uh, oh, Baltimore, I guess that's East Coast. Uh, but, you know, you don't get around to Chicago until after number 10. And certainly New York City is way down on the list, as is Los Angeles. So, That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I wonder, you know, maybe inequality has something to do with that. <laughs> uh, you know, I guess the more inequality there is, uh, the more, you know, the more crime you see, I guess. I mean, that's just the way it is, I suppose. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm just, I, I was wondering if we have a, a progressive candidate coming up. We, uh, you know, like, uh, it's hoping for somebody more progressive. I mean, I guess, I don't know. I mean, I know Adam Morfield for a long time. I was pushing the Medicare for all, but uh, I don't know how many people actually come out and say that that often as he used to. I mean, it always you always be on the news or in the newspaper. Well, but, I noticed uh, Patty Panzer Brooks talked about lowering prescription drug prices. I assume she means something like allowing uh, Medicaid to uh, Medicare to uh, negotiate for. Uh, bulk purchasing as is the VA allowed to do that the way it is now uh, you're not allowed to negotiate for lower prices and uh, consumers get ripped off yeah that uh, seems like it needs to change I don't know uh, I guess people just aren't ready to get out and vote yeah I don't know like I, I keep open I keep thinking that there's gonna be a blue wave coming you know with the uh, with the uh, you know, the gun situation, the gun violence situations going on and uh, the Roe versus Wade uh, being overturned or, you know, the, the letter that, you know, the Supreme Court came out with. I keep thinking more and more Democrats are going to want to come out and vote. But I keep hearing on the TV or on the radio and seeing on the TV that that's apparently not the case. But I'm just not sure. But, hey, thanks. Thanks for taking my call. Have a, yes, have a good thanks day. Thanks very much for calling in. Have yep. a good day. Yeah, a lot more I could say about all that. And I do think until the gun control movement goes after John Lott, they're just spinning their wheels because the uh, weapon sellers can claim the moral high ground. I mean, after all, if it's true that more guns mean less crime, what kind of monster are you for wanting there to be less guns? What do you want, more crime? But if it's all a lie that actually having uh, more firearms, more weaponry in circulation makes uh, for more crime and less safety, well, then that would make sense and would give the moral high ground to those who are saying, can't we have uh, perhaps a little less enthusiasm for uh, weapons accumulation and hoarding, a bit less emphasis on making a big sales pitch for human hunting? As every right-wing radio station has some gun store or uh, training ground as a sponsor and a regular guest and are constantly promoting the idea that you really need to acquire weapons that enable you to kill other humans. I mean, it's just self-defense and uh, you're protecting your freedom and uh, all that. So, uh, yeah, better get some human... Uh, killing weaponry so as to uh, <clears throat> fit in. All right, anyway, all right, uh, back to the Keystone XL pipeline. Uh, GAO found that preventable construction issues contributed to the current Keystone pipeline spills more frequently than the industry-wide trends, they said in a statement. It's the General Accounting Office. Keystone's four largest spills were, quote, caused by issues related to the original design, manufacturing of the pipe, or construction of the pipeline, the GAO report said. <coughs> Biden canceled the Keystone XL's permit on his first day in office on January 20th, dealing a death blow to uh, the project. TC, quote, TC Energy's record among its peers is one of the worst in terms of volume of oil spilled per mile transported, a statement from the lawmakers said. The lawmakers included Representative Frank Pallone, Energy and Commerce Committee Chair. 
TC Energy Corp. officially canceled the $9 billion Keystone XL in June. It filed a notice of intent in July to begin a legacy North American free trade agreement claim and is seeking more than $15 billion in damages from the U.S. government. The company said in response to the report that it had, quote, zero high-impact incidents in 18 months after taking measures to strengthen safety and prevent incidents. Pipeline opponents once want to slow the movement of Canadian oil to the United States, but pipeline supporters say it will be shipped anyway and that oil sent by rail has caused numerous fiery accidents. Biden was, quote, Biden, quote, was clearly right to question this operator's ability to construct a safe and resilient pipeline, and we support his decision to put Americans' health and environment above industry interests, the U.S. representatives said. But Mike Flood would uh, support uh, reopening the Keystone XL pipeline. Okay, and... uh, Let's see, from Patty Panzing Brooks. Why are you running for office? Ooh, I see time is running low. Maybe I should get to some of the more controversial things. Okay, what would be your top three priorities if elected? This is from Patty Panzing Brooks. As our congresswoman, I will work to make health care more affordable and accessible help communities thrive by promoting workforce development, expand infrastructure, including critical broadband to expand affordable housing, and create a rural and urban economic renaissance for our entire state. Okay. Let's see what Mike Flood said to the 1011now.com questionnaire. Although his why are you running for office is pretty humorous. I'll just go ahead and read that. Oh, this isn't, oh, because he's, you know, all about, uh, I want to fire Nancy Pelosi as speaker and put a check on Joe Biden's reckless government overreach. Mm, Okay, anyway, that nonsense. All right, now, Pansing Patty Brooks, what would be your top three priorities if elected? Uh, as our congresswoman, I will work to make health care more affordable and accessible, help communities thrive by promoting workforce development, expand infrastructure, including critical broadband, to expand affordable housing, and create a rural and urban economic renaissance for our entire state. Okay. But then you go to Mike Flood. Uh, what would be your top three priorities if elected? Has like one sentence. <clears throat> My top three for priorities are fighting inflation, growing Nebraska's rural communities, and securing our southern border. Okay, fighting inflation. Well, inflation is pretty much a worldwide thing. I mean, we're kind of in the middle for our inflation rate when it comes to developed countries. But uh, it's not so much policies or spending Actually, the deficit has been uh, getting reduced because the economy has improved and more uh, tax revenue has been coming in. Now, if it was a matter of raising the deficit, I could see that having some effect on interest rates. But really, it has to do with uh, supply chain problems, with everything being shut down entirely uh, so that oil actually went negative in its price tankers sat offshore because they would have had to pay to have someone take their oil. So it takes time to get all that up and running again. Then there's uh, oh, Vladimir Putin invading Ukraine and actually trying to do something about it by sanctioning him and Russia and their oil. So that's uh, raised the price of oil further. And then there's the companies of oil companies uh, maybe making a little bit uh, of an increase above that for uh, being able to get away with doing that. Charging a higher price per gallon for gasoline than they previously did when uh, oil was at a such a previous price per barrel for that. 
gouging. So uh, the whole idea that austerity economics is going to fight inflation, well, I guess they must think that uh, the poor people, the consumers, have too much money. That's a problem. We'll just have to make sure they don't have so much money. Yeah. All right. Uh, I better get to another article I have here. It's kind of funny. After <clears throat> Fortenberry's conviction for uh, concealing the source of... Uh, foreign money to his campaign. Flood campaign, software glitch caused donation report problem. It's from Nebraska Examiner by Paul Hamill from June 17, 2022. Lincoln, an official with the congressional campaign of State Senator Mike Flood, is blaming a software, quote, glitch, unquote, for several errors in one of the candidates' candidates' recent federal campaign contribution reports. The Federal Election Commission sent a letter to Flood uh, to the Flood campaign on June 12th, informing them that several donations listed by the campaign exceeded the federal contribution limit for individuals, which is $2,900 per election. Jessica Flanagan a campaign consultant for the state senator said the problem was that a software system used to input donations didn't recognize that some contributions were for the June 28th, quote, special election slated between Flood and Lincoln State <coughs> Senator Patty Penzing Brooks to pick someone to fill out the remainder of U.S. Representative Jeff Fortenberry's term. Vacancies in the U.S. House of Representatives are filled by special election, and the election is scheduled June 28th between candidates chosen by the respective Republican and Democratic parties, Flood and Panzing Brooks. The result of the software glitch was that donors who gave Flood two no donations of $2,900, one for the May primary, and one for the special election, were listed as giving two, quote, primary donations of $2,900, on the campaign's pre-primary report in April that exceeded the donation limit for the primary election. Report to be amended. Flanagan said Thursday the campaign report will be amended and refiled, thus correcting the mistakes. Fortenberry was found guilty in March of lying to federal investigators probing illegal campaign contributions by a foreigner and failing to amend his FEC report to indicate the source of $30,000 in donations <clears throat> he had received from a Nigerian-Lebanese billionaire, Gilbert Shigori Fortenberry, has resigned his post and awaits sentencing on June 28th. A spokesman for the Panzing Brooks campaign, Chris Tribech, said it was ironic that both Fortenberry and Flood have had issues with their federal election filings. Flanagan called the problem a nothing burger. Regardless of who wins the special election, both candidates will square off again in the November general election for a two-term, two-year term to represent Eastern Nebraska's first congressional district. And just one final thing, I suppose, from uh, Lincoln Journal Star, Sunday, June nineteenth, twenty twenty-two. Two solid picks, but Panzing Brooks has the edge. On June 28th, first congressional district voters will choose between Mike Flood and Patty Panzing Brooks in a special election to fill the unexpired term of former Representative Jeff Fortenberry, who resigned in March after being convicted on federal charges of lying to federal agents and trying to conceal the source of $30,000 in foreign money to his campaign. Selected by their parties after winning their respective primaries last month, Republican Flood and Democrat Panzing Brooks will meet again in November. Both candidates are very well qualified. Both have served well in the Nebraska legislature and have shown the ability to work effectively in the legislative process in Congress. The pair has contrasting areas of strength as well. Flood, who has represented the North Fork area for two-plus legislative terms, 
is strongly grounded in agricultural issues and would be well prepared to tackle policies that impact Nebraska's largest industry and the rural communities that make up geographically the majority of the district. <clears throat> Pansing Brooks, who has served two legislative terms representing Central Lincoln, is particularly well-versed in more urban issues, economic development, affordable housing, health care, criminal justice, and prison reforms. Pansing Brooks also has espoused proactive efforts addressing alternative energy and climate change, the long-term effects of which could have devastating impact the state and country, and has prioritized support of our increasingly diverse population with protections against discrimination on race and sexual orientation and an emphasis on human rights. The most critical quality needed by the district's next representative, however, isn't related to stance on a specific issue or a detailed political philosophy. It is an ability to bring people together both outside Congress and within working across the aisle to find ways to address complicated, divisive issues that can be broadly supported. As a Democrat working in what former Governor J.J. Exon called the nonpartisan Republican legislature, Pansing Brooks has had to do just that in her eight years in the unicameral, and she has made working together for all Nebraskans a centerpiece of her campaign. In contrast, Flood, who has taken a seeming turn to the right since his time as Speaker of the Legislature, has campaigned largely on a partisan basis, pressing, for example, the, quote, Biden-Pelosi economy, and stressing his conservatism more than a desire to represent and include all sides. Editorial boards, like functioning political bodies, operate on the principle of consensus rather than unanimity. We recognize two solid candidates with two different visions. But for the reasons above, along with her positions that align with positions we have long espoused, the Journal Star editorial board endorses Patty Pansing Brooks in the special election. And this has been the Servative Hour. Thank you very much for listening, and good night to you all.